With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am Gary Gramling. I'm Jenny Rentis. I'm Connor Orr. And this is the uh, this is the Friday special. This is the opening game special. We had a I think it was a really good game. I thought it was a really entertaining game. A little bit sloppy, but a little bit sloppy is nice sometimes. And uh, if you liked good quarterback play, you got really good quarterback play tonight. I have no complaints. It was a much better game than I was anticipating. And I have to say, I probably underestimated Dak Prescott's recovery and return. You know, despite the great story Greg Bishop did about his road back the shoulder injury in camp and his having to sit out for two weeks really kind of spooked me. Would he be rusty? But uh, he was tremendous. And it was obviously a down-to-the-wire game, which was certainly more than I expected. I, I think for me, and, and we'll obviously get into this, but it was stunning to just uh, to see the direction that Dallas ended up going so quickly out of the gate. Um, the fearlessness with which they put the entire game plan on his shoulders, and then, you know, yada yada, Tom Brady wins, and and you know that that's just you know some of the other stuff that happens. So that's just the order so, of the universe. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> So we only have one game to discuss here, but we have a we have a really full show. We're gonna we're gonna run through the game. We're gonna run through the quarterbacks. We're gonna through the the defensive performances here uh, and some of the flaws in those groups. We had some wacky stuff happen. We had some 
cringeworthy commentating, which uh, has sort of become the norm with a certain player in the league. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit of TJ Watt at the end. We'll talk uh, some of the other developments from Thursday's news cycle. And we are also not ready to let go of Connor's, uh, let's just call it what it is, an about face on his Brown Super Bowl <laughs> prediction. But now uh, that I've sort of created this tension, <laughs> yeah, I let's, uh, know that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a clip from uh, not even a week ago. That's a clip from like five days ago. I yeah. know that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so uh, let me uh, let me first thank uh, both. <laughs> Uh, producer Shelby and uh, one of our very loyal listeners, Matthew Golden, who uh, clipped um, who clipped this and uh, and sent it in, and just sort of a really alarming moment for me um, when apparently at the beginning of the podcast I said that the Browns were going to win the Super Bowl, and then thirty five minutes later completely denied it, and. Um, you know, I, I, I know I, that the I Browns know, are going to win the Browns Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so uh, caused a, a lot of self-examination on my part. Um, you know, you Google things like, am I a narcissist? You know, is there something going on here? Um, what kind of people can say something and then 35 minutes later completely deny its existence? And so... Um, yeah, tough a tough one for uh, tough one for old Connor today. Yeah. It's gonna take a lot of time to rebuild trust among the podcast <laughs> hosts, Connor, but um we're willing to work on the relationship if you are. And just to be clear, we're 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 not done with it. <laughs> I know that the Browns are gonna win the Super Bowl. Do do you know when like um when like a like a po- and this is a horrible thing to be aligning myself with at this point in 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 history, but like when a politician or like a, 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 a controversial TV news personality is like, well, I never said that. And then there's like eight clips of them afterwards saying exactly that. I'm not identifying with these people, but I was 110% certain that I didn't say what I said half an hour after I said it. Uh, so uh, let that be a lesson to all of you out there is to uh, think before you speak, but also listen to yourself when you're talking. There you go. Good advice. And uh, one that we'll revisit later in the show here. Uh, <laughs> we know are... that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are starting with the game they just played and the quarterback play. And we'll start with Brady and the Bucks. Uh it's funny, if you kind of rewind back to early December, they had that Monday night game against the Rams at home where they just got, I mean, their offense was outclassed. And, you know, Brady at one point was on a streak where he was 0 for 19 uh, in a row on passes longer than 20 yards in the air. And they just looked disjointed. It looked like it wasn't going to work out. It didn't quite click. They sort of beat up on some bad teams. It got to the postseason. It still didn't look like a great offense until the Super Bowl. They, they kind of just change gears and it just looked like a a Tom Brady offense instead of a, a Bruce Arians offense if we're putting it bluntly and uh it looked like that tonight and it was a really good looking offense yeah I think the turning point for the Bucks last season was what Brady and Bruce Arians called like a meeting of the minds 
but it was essentially Arians relenting to Brady later in the season and putting aspects of the scheme that he'd played in for two decades in New England first. And I think we saw a lot of that magic in the Super Bowl, particularly, you know, the connection between Brady and Gronkowski that can't really be schemed up in any playbook, right? We saw that in the Super Bowl win, and we also saw that tonight because that one touchdown to Gronkowski was exactly that. And you heard Brady tell the NBC broadcast after the game that that comes from playing together so much. There was another clip of Brady where it seemed like uh, Byron Leftwich sent in a call that Brady didn't like, and he was saying, no, no, no. It was the... uh, the catch by Godwin, I think, right? That set up the the game-winning field goal. So clearly Brady has a lot of agency and authority to run the offense how he wants it to be run. And that won them a Super Bowl last year. And evidently they're still building on it this year. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that I mean, you know, this is a this is a New England Patriots team, right? I mean, they're going to come out and they're going to run duo and they're going to smash uh, opponents. And especially situationally with Dallas, they struggle with their defensive interior. And so that's what they did. They just double teamed all these guys and they just plowed the ball forward. And uh, But I thought it was really interesting that um, they did sort of like uh, get a little creative, a little bit more finesse and clever than I thought that they were capable of 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 being. And you know, I was looking at just sort of how they were using personnel in the first half, and you know, did a lot of you know double tight end stuff on the field. And then all of a sudden, when they're inside the red zone, when it makes sense to load up on all your tight ends, that's when they brought out the eleven personnel, the three or four you know wide receiver sets, and really was messing with um, the Cowboys. And I thought that was super clever. It was um, it, it was different than what we saw from Tampa but also vintage Brady and that it's so unique to the matchups and uh it, that that kind of had all of his fingerprints all over it it feels like that Super Bowl 53 Patriots offense right now when they sort of went through that run where uh it was a lot of Sony Michelle and then they built a lot of play action off of it and uh you know that's that's kind of that was their identity and it looks like they're starting to build a similar identity there in Tampa and building it off of what they did last February. Uh, we do have to talk about sort of the, the controversy of the night as far as the officiating goes. Uh, we'll just go around the horn here. Offensive pass interference on the Chris Godwin catch that set up the winning field goal or not offensive pass interference, which is how they ruled it on the field. I'm going to wait for Jenny to answer because I know that she <laughs> is... Probably is going to right. have the, yeah it's, she's <laughs> right yeah so then I'm going to kind of like I'm going to fall in strategically behind there and sort of ride the uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of draft off the response because I know it's going to be correct <laughs> well that puts a lot of pressure on me and you're only saying that I'm right because I'm the I unearthed some of the receipts from the Browns uh, <laughs> podcast earlier in the day but um, I would say my ruling on this is that it was probably OPI but it wasn't called because there wasn't full extension of Godwin's arm and we were re-watching the clip right before we began recording and the angle on the broadcast was not the best angle to determine but as Gary said our takeaway in the moment was that Godwin's arm wasn't fully extended so in that situation it's very hard for the official to call OPI if from his viewpoint it 
And I don't think Godwin's arm was fully extended. And usually that's the indicator that officials look at for OPI. Exactly. That's that's totally what I was gonna. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Perfect. Uh, perfect response. No, I, I I think on the podcast we will keep an open mind if another angle is showed that there was full extension of the arm. It just kind of on based on that replay that NBC kept on showing, it looked like the arms were tangled, and there was probably a ever so slight push, but not you know not full extension. I I'm not quite sure uh, where that came from on the broadcast because the. The camera angles we saw did not show that. Could have happened, but we didn't see it. I could have used one of those fun... Um, well, I guess it's Fox that does that, right? Where they just get right up into the play with those like 5K uh, HD cameras. You know, yeah. I could have used one of those, you know? We could have used something fun there, but uh, yeah. uh, it was it was lacking a little bit. It's amazing with the... Uh... <laughs> with the plethora of camera angles that they have that we didn't see a better angle on that. But that's where we sit right now. And the stance of this podcast is uh, the no call was, was, uh, was more correct than throwing the flag there. Uh, Chris Godwin had, you know, he, he ended up having a big night nine for one five and a touchdown. He was briefly shaping up to be the, uh, the goat, the bad version of the goat of this game. And then uh, ends up redeeming himself there. Uh, and, and, you know, Jenny touched on the Brady Gronkowski connection there. And Antonio Brown was a force in this game. I mean, Anthony Brown could not match up with him. Uh, they went after that one. Anthony Brown, I'm, I'm assuming when we look at the all 22, we're going to see a lot of safety help for Anthony Brown in the second half of this game. And that's probably how they ended up sort of, you know, surviving to an extent, with A.B. out there, but Antonio Brown looked like he was playing at the level he was playing at in Pittsburgh, and that's the football story on Antonio Brown. And I'm not sure why we had another telecast that sort of insisted on, I don't know, creating some sort of redemption arc with him that just doesn't really exist. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Gary. Certainly, there may not be the time and space in a broadcast every time that Antonio Brown does something on the football field that matters to go into his lengthy legal history, into you know the circumstances under which he was brought into the Buccaneers last year, right? He was still serving an eight-game suspension, which did not even include the rape allegation that was made against him. That civil suit was settled out of court in this offseason, and... To date, there hasn't been an NFL punishment specifically for that. But at the bare minimum, then just don't discuss any off-the-field stuff, right? Don't have a, a fluffy quote about his friendship with Tom Brady and, you know, how they brought him in and were able to revive his career after everything that had happened. Like, you can't touch on things like that without talking about the broader context. And the reality is when the Bucks brought him in, like they didn't really do any vetting. Like I asked Jason Light, the general manager before the Super Bowl last year, because he said, oh, we did our due diligence. I said, what did that due diligence entail? And he wouldn't tell me. Now, maybe there's things that they did that are really thorough and really good, but we know how this generally goes in the football world. The vetting that they do is, will he fit into our locker room? And 
is he going to be friends with a quarterback? And Tom Brady stood on the table for them to bring Antonio Brown in. And we saw in the Super Bowl and we saw tonight why that was. Because Antonio Brown is a very talented football player. So the conversation about Brown, if you can't talk about all of the other stuff and you can't put the necessary detail and context into the conversation, then just focus on what he's down the football field. Yeah, it, this is a broadcast crew that has stumbled uh, pretty, uh, pretty mercilessly through some some bad moments over the last couple of years. I mean, there was like the snorting on Al Michaels part during the opener last year when there was the unveiling of all the social justice initiatives. And like, you know, they were brushing that off as like all the stuff that happened over the summer. And it's like, well, no, that wasn't just stuff, you know, that was, you know, very, you know, that was big, uh, you know, country and world altering uh, events that were happening here that affected a lot of people. And he, uh, Chris Collinsworth used that word again tonight with Antonio Brown. I'm just pulling it up. Just, some stuff off the field with Antonio Brown. Just some stuff, you know, not like a like a like an accusation of, of rape or something like that that was settled out of court. You know, that's not stuff. And uh, I think it's it's pretty miraculous that they're able to just continue to pinball their way through these things um, without anybody, you know, poking their head in there and saying, you know, to your point, are we really going to try to have a conversation about this or or we are, are we just going to let you guys know that like from now on, we're not going to even try to blend the off field stuff because you can't do it with any modicum of sensibility. Yeah, and and look at Sports Illustrated, we we did the the most in depth and sort of definitive reporting on that uh, quote unquote stuff, and uh, I I I have no problem with Antonio Brown playing in the NFL. I think there has to be a path to redemption for everyone in one in in some way, shape, or form. And and I'm just speaking for myself at the moment, but. Uh, that redemption involves some sort of recognition of what you did and why it was wrong, and he has not taken that step. He's apologized for some of his behavior, but especially when it comes to his treatment of women, which was so hugely problematic, he has not taken responsibility for that in any way, shape, or form. And that's why it's... it's Look, if you have to do shorthand on it and say, you know, uh, read up on... <laughs> Read up on it on the internet. Uh, go Google it. Go find out what happened because you, you're calling a game and the next play is coming up. That's that's something that you have to deal with in TV. I guess we don't work in TV. But uh, when you sort of cram in, you know, well, why is Michelle Tafoya getting the sort of, uh, you know, the, that again, that convoluted redemption arc quote from him to roll out during the game. Why is that pre-reported? Uh, we didn't get that on Chris Godwin. He's a really good player. Was Is Chris Godwin not friends with Tom Brady? You could do that with him. Uh, it doesn't make sense with Antonio Brown. It's not fair to do that with Antonio Brown because he did not earn that redemption arc. He's a really good player. He's back in the league. That's the yeah. Antonio Brown story. I think that's well said. I mean, Chris Godwin, his first introduction to Brady was Brady signs and sends him an Instagram DM and Chris Godwin is like, why is Brady sending me an Instagram DM? That's a fun story to share in a podcast or, or a, a broadcast, excuse me. So like you could go that route, right? I mean, but instead they went this route, which is something that we see again and again with broadcasts and it minimizes allegations. It minimizes bad behavior. And like you said, Gary, there haven't been many signs of remorse 
And when these issues or this, these questions, excuse me, about these quote unquote issues came up prior to the Super Bowl, Brown was you know, bothered that he was being asked, right? He, he has mandated availability before the Super Bowl, which is generally more than a player does in the regular season. So he was asked harder and, you know, more questions that would hold him more accountable than he'd faced all season. And it was all about how he'd gone through a bunch of things. It wasn't about, he didn't express remorse or, you know, he didn't seem like it was an opportunity for him to say, I've done X, Y, and Z to grow from this. No, rather he was, you know, focusing on what he himself had been through to get to this point. Um, And that is not reflective of a person who has worked to earn a second chance. It's just, you know, they kept going back to it. You know, they, they went back to it like multiple times over the course of the broadcast. And it's just like, you know, no producer just wanted to stick their head in there and be like, Hey guys, just, you know, let's just say first down and move on. Like, not like, and another thing about how great this situation is, you know, like, you know, nobody there thought to just kind of, pop in there real quick and say, hey, let's, you know, let's just stop this all together. Apparently not. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with uh, the rest of this game and uh, some some lighter fare, if we're being honest. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so look, the start of the show probably would have been Dak Prescott if the Cowboys held on to win this game. They didn't, so he's back in the, I don't know, I'm going to call this a B block. I don't know if that's proper terminology, but uh, we'll just say it is. This is the B block of the show. Uh, Yeah, so Dak... I don't know about you guys. When he came up short on that throw to uh, uh, C.D. Lamb on that first drive, it was sort of a you know outside the numbers throw, and he just came up way short on it, and it was kind of like, ooh, this might be a long night here. But no, it was not. Yeah, it was. Um, it was interesting to see Dak Prescott. Um, like there was a couple of those throws, like you said, that were really indicative of like, oh, oh no, like you know, there's still something not right here. But then um, it was almost—I have it written down. Uh, there was one specific throw, I think, to Gallup before he got hurt in the end zone, um, it, where he had underthrown that exact throw like twice in the game in in the game already, like the same route, but it just in different locations on the field. And then that one was just perfect, like almost like beyond perfect in terms of exactly where you'd want to put that ball. And so that was one of those things where, um, you know, when you were watching, it was like, okay, this is, this is going to be fine. Um, you know, some of the other situational usage of him, I probably, if I was Mike McCarthy would have eliminated all zone read keepers, uh, for, for at least another week. Um, but, uh, there are coaches out there who are, uh, bolder than I am and that's why they're NFL head coaches. So I think, also, early in the game, he did look tentative moving around at all, right? And I thought later in the game, he seemed more comfortable with his legs. So I 
was really impressed. As I said earlier in the show, perhaps I underestimated the Dak Prescott that we would be able to see coming off the injury last season and then having to sit out for part of camp. It didn't look like he was a quarterback who had rust. He was going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, and he got better as the game went on. So, uh, And they also didn't have Zach Martin in the game, and he was on the COVID reserve list, uh, expect likely to be back for for the next game. Um, And so I think it's impressive, too, for Dak Prescott to play that well when he's missing – his best lineman. Yeah, it was, uh, I thought he moved around a little bit tentatively. That one zone read call felt, it felt like one of those zone read calls that you do with like Kirk Cousins or something. And maybe the defense completely sells out and then he can just run uh, untouched for 15 yards. I mean, that didn't happen. He did look, you know, I, I mean, where it's, it's in our heads too. So, but he did look like, uh, you know, that might be a run where he lowered his shoulder maybe a year ago. But, you know, he just sort of uh, took the two yards and, and called it a day, which, I mean, I think we're all kind of thankful for that. <laughs> it's all said and done. But uh, I thought he made a couple of really impressive throws in the second half where they were coming at him with slot blitzes. And when you're, you know, when you're talking about arm strength, Look, if you if you have a clean pocket, you can step into a throw. Uh, pretty much anyone in the NFL can look like they have great arm strength. He made a couple of throws with, you know, not incredible like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes zip, but really good zip uh, outside the numbers throws on plays where he had a guy coming into his waist and couldn't step into it. And that was, I thought it was just all sorts of really positive signs here for Dak. And yeah, maybe he's not 100%, but... You know, by week six, no one will be. So he's, uh, it looks like he's just going to be fine at this point. Yeah. I, I, in, in an interesting way, like, kind of think it's, um, and to your point, like, he targeted CD Lim, I think, on almost half of his dropbacks throughout, like, the first three quarter of the, of the first three quarters. And CD Lamb had, like, a, like, a basically a 50% catch rate. And so those numbers get better over the course of a season where, you know, uh, CD Lamb's not going to drop half of the balls that he's, you know, he's going to drop. And so I think that really uh, the statistics would bear out an even better night than we probably thought of, uh, for Dak Prescott, uh, in general. But yeah, I think, it's fascinating because I think it also puts a lot more um, onus on Mike McCarthy now because, okay, you, you know, this isn't a rehabilitating season. You have a top three, four, five quarterback. So the expectation is you, you got to win that division. If you don't win the NFC East, I think you're in, you're in a lot of trouble there. Yeah, the uh, there was the lamb underthrow. There was the... Uh... There was the one really ill-advised throw he made that uh, maybe Levante David should have made the pick on, which, Connor, you know that from your uh, Bucks linebacker reporting. I know I couldn't tweet it fast enough, uh, you know, uh, for the two people who would have favorited it. I'm sorry, uh, Mom. <laughs> Me and Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, three. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was uh, Todd Bowles uh, said, told me that uh, – uh, Levante David told him he had hands like Allstate, but Todd came to find out that Levante was the one who needed insurance. So, uh, and that his his dropped interceptions are a regular um, source of uh, comedic 
banter between the two and that Levante actually gets really pissed when he drops interceptions as I'm sure most people do but uh you know so it was uh it was an interesting little uh little side note there yeah he bounced his helmet off the turf after that happened there was also the throw into the end zone where he and the receiver seemed to be on different pages about where the ball placement should be in those cases sometimes it's hard to tell if it's on the quarterback or the receiver but the db uh was that davis um was the db on that play, I think it was carlton I think? davis who didn't yeah he had a chance to pick that one off and and didn't but that was also another sort of off connection there i just want to make clear before we move on todd bowles probably delivered that joke a lot better than you just did connor sorry oh yeah no yeah it was and <laughs> He, he he has like that's the thing like he he always has the monotone and so i didn't realize it was a joke until like maybe like a minute later and then but then you can't so then i didn't laugh and then the conversation just sort of hits a lull and i'm annoying to talk to anyway and so i'm sure he was like you know he was like man let's just get this guy off the phone and uh and and but he was very uh very gracious with his time so yeah Total deadpan humor with Todd Bowles. Yes. Yeah, you just got to be prepared. And I, I'm being honest, I just, I don't have the attention span for it. I just, I don't. <laughs> you, were, I, you were taking notes like, Levante David sells insurance. <laughs> <laughs> great, great story. This guy's got an off-season gig, I mean. If we didn't have tape NFL recorders. Players, yeah. <laughs> if we didn't have tape recorders in this business, I would be in so much trouble. So much trouble. <laughs> Just like a like a legal burden amount of trouble. I mean, just tell the people you're interviewing that you don't even listen to what you say, as we know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm oh. never going to live this down. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. 
They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. All right, well, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. And, uh... Look, the Cowboys still have their issues, and you don't want to draw any huge conclusions off of a off of a loss on opening night to a, a Bucks offense that, as we discuss, is is getting to be really, really good. Uh, we saw their issues in you know cornerback sort of quality depth, and Anthony Brown seems like he's uh, you know sort of been teetering on that third cornerback caliber uh, level for quite a while. And sometimes when it goes bad, it just goes really bad with him. Uh, so we saw that tonight and we saw some green moments from Micah Parsons, but I don't, I, I thought overall you could be somewhat optimistic if you're a Cowboys fan about the way that group looked tonight. Yeah, I think that's right, Gary. I know you're big on turnovers, kind of ebb and flow, and you can do things to create turnovers, but it doesn't always work. But clearly a big part of the Cowboys defense looking pretty good tonight and certainly keeping the team in the game was forcing turnovers. I think they had four turnovers. Um, One was Demarcus Lawrence punching the ball out. That was a great play. Um, We saw Diggs catching a deflection off Fournette's hands. You know, it seemed like a unit that was coached by Dan Quinn, like a lot of energy. I'm sure he has his own. um, What was his thing that time we visited Falcons camp? Like the ball is everything, Connor. So, you know, everyone has their little tips and tricks for, you know, preaching that to players. But as far as a debut for a defensive coordinator after a team or a unit that came off a historically bad season, I thought it was pretty good, all things considered. I thought it was I thought it was very good and you know for Micah Parsons to kind of get roasted the way he was um you know I I think that's going to eventually look bad on us because you know I'm not I'm not one of these like all 22 evangelists or anything but we're again we're going off of a TV broadcast we don't have the full concept of of uh, of what the play looks like and you know that first catch that he gave up to Rob Gronkowski he wasn't turned around but he was in front of Rob Gronkowski it was a great throw yeah. 
I mean, that was that was a throw that was like 15 years in the making. And I don't know any linebacker that's stopping that because Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski can throw around any defender in football. And, you know, OK, a couple of times he gets sucked in on play action. But, you know, you're being asked to be that versatile player that more often than not is shooting inside anyway. And so it's going to be hard for you to temper those instincts initially in your first professional game. And I'm sure that they picked on that a little bit, but I don't think this is a lost cause by any stretch of the imagination. And on his pass rushes, he actually looked pretty good. So to Jenny's point, I mean, I think that is Dan Quinn's finger fingerprints all over it. And that's why you bring in someone like that and feel comfortable drafting uh, a linebacker like Parsons in the first round. You know what didn't look good about the Cowboys defense, or really either team for that matter, is the the, the new numbers. I really, it's going to take me a while to get used to. Like on the first series, the Bucks first round pick Joe Tryon Shoinka wearing number nine as a pass rusher. That really threw me. Trevon Diggs wearing seven. I mean, we knew Micah Parsons was wearing eleven, but it just looked weird. Like seeing it live in a primetime game. Fournette wearing seven. I mean, it's just, there was a lot going on that was difficult to get used to. I'm glad you said that, Jenny, because I didn't have the courage to say so. I hate the new numbers. I hate them so much. And I know I'm I'm revealing that I'm 98 years old right now, but oh my God, I despise this. It's making me so upset and I'll get used to it. But if you play in the front seven and you're wearing a single digit number, you look ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Jalen Smith had a great linebacker number at 54. Can you imagine getting a Jalen Smith 9 jersey now? You would be heckled until my voice was hoarse. It's just such a bad look. I hate it, hate it, hate it. You know what's great about um, the single-digit numbers uh, is that the more uh, you complain about it, the more it just feeds my love of it. You know, it's like um, wow. it's like in the 50s, when old people complained about rock music and then it's like <laughs> and then it's like well here's a here's a little more elvis for you you know and then yeah. and then you crank up the volume uh but uh i would say gary that to your point and jenny to your uh to your credit as well there is no finer tribute to the godfather of this podcast andy benoit than to uh, on on a season opening uh show rage against uh, uh number mis uh, n- numbers not matching positional uh, uh guidelines which was a big uh, staple of his during his time here I can That's a great him. point, yeah. Connor. I can feel him point. nodding his head during uh, Jenny and, and, and my uh, talking points there, which are just very important to make at this point. I can deal <laughs> with it. Offensive <laughs> skill position players is fine. Uh, I think the running backs look a little bit dumb with the single weird. digit, but whatever. But, oh, my God, those guys in the front seven. <laughs> so, that was so- what really got me. Like, the first stop the Bucks made, right? And the rookie, Joe, Joe Tryon Shoyanka, I hope I'm saying that correctly. You know, he puts his hand up, closed fist, fourth down symbol. And I'm like, what's going on here? Is the punter a kicker on the field? And then I'm like, oh, no, that is an edge rusher. No, <laughs> like someone wearing a single digit shouldn't be holding up the like fourth down. Like, it just <laughs> looks weird. So is it weird to me that the weirdest one for me was Leonard Fournette? And even though I think he's unarguably more synonymous with seven than with his NFL number uh, Mm -hmm. still to this day. However, the seven in college was like 
neatly ironic because he was like so much bigger and more powerful than everybody else and so it just like looked looked like funny in in a in a weird sort of way but now that he went back to it and he's like the same size as everybody else it doesn't look as cool i don't know if i'm explaining myself properly but do you kind of get what i'm saying yeah and i also think in college there's like some magic in those numbers because you know they won't be able to wear them in the nfl right so it's like even though you associate him with seven you associate him with a college seven not an Mm. nfl seven i would not have bought back um all my jerseys to have done this the following year i don't i like as much as i enjoy it um i'm hoping that uh you know a couple quarterbacks do like number 20 or 22 you know i hope that's a thing that we can at some point uh start to start to get that um i see gary just like there's like a vein <laughs> bursting in his head um, I, i'm uh, fighting that tears right now uh but I, you know, the first time, because uh, Tom Brady was one of the biggest uh, uh, people to come out against it now that he's allowed to to speak in public and actually has some interesting things to say. Um, and the first time he said 11 is the mic uh, was just like a really interesting moment because, you know, you could tell there was there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of disgust on that uh, as well. You know, yes. 11, 11 is the mic. 11 should not be the mic. <laughs> Just eleven a little inside. Should be fifty-five. Fifty-five's <laughs> the mic. <laughs> oh man! All right, I'm glad we got that out of our system, uh, and it's just going to be an issue forever. But uh, yeah, the Bucks defensively. Look, I thought it was the same Bucks defense for the most part. The Cowboys just, I mean, you know, smartly avoided the strength of this defense. Why do you want to run at Vita Vea? with uh, Devin White and Lante David behind him when you can't block Vita Vea. I mean, no one can block Vita Vea, but with the shorthanded interior line tonight, it was it was just a huge mismatch. So they didn't run a whole lot. They threw it to the outside, and the Bucks were a little bit thin after Sean Murphy bunting went down, and he might be a guy who's, uh, who's out for a while at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thin secondary is going to be interesting to see how long he's out and how the injuries impact already pretty thin depth back there. But Vita Vea, like I think he's somebody that kind of, obviously he was hurt for a large part of last season. So I think we didn't see him as this huge factor in the Super Bowl run, but boy, he was everywhere tonight. Amazing how you could be a GM that, you could be the kicker guy, but also the Vita Vea guy, you know, like it's, you know, it really is, you know, uh, the, like the NFL, like they, you can, you can be forgotten about some horrifically bad decision, uh, by making a, an amazingly good one, you know, and, and Vita Vea is certainly ba- bailing him out there. I was going to say he's the kicker guy, he's the Jameis Winston guy, and uh, yeah. he, he has a Super Bowl ring now. So, yeah. you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, Vita, I mean, v, yeah, Vita Vea is, He's just unblockable sometimes. Uh, And it just, I think it makes everyone's lives so much easier around him. But yeah, if you're looking for something to worry about uh, on behalf of Bucks fans, because they've just had it too good for too long at this point, uh, secondary depth is probably an issue. You saw a lot of zone coverage for them in the second half. Uh, Murphy Bunting is primarily their, their slot guy. So now you got Ross Cockrell in there and we'll see how that plays out 
over the next couple weeks here. But just overall, this is a team that they played a 20-game season in 2020, and now you have a 17-game regular season, and they stayed relatively healthy. They, they lost Vea for a little bit. They were without, uh, uh, I think Carlton Davis missed a game or two late season. They were without Murphy Bunting for a game or two. But, uh, you know, it's a team that stayed pretty healthy last year. And, you know, if they don't stay healthy this year, maybe that's what sort of evens the, the field a little bit in the, in, the, in the NFC South. Yeah, because it's rare for a Super Bowl team to bring back all of its starters. I mean, generally, one of the big reasons why it's hard for a team to repeat is because players cash in on having been part of a Super Bowl team and they get big free agency deals elsewhere. I mean... I remember seeing that early on in my career after the 2007 Giants won. Then that offseason, it was just a mass exodus of players, a lot of, you know, a lot of different places, right? So, but the Bucks didn't have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the secondary depth was already thin to begin with, and then they sustain injuries on opening night, um, that will definitely be a factor. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. 
or download the app today. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. All right. And so the things that decided this game, like the things that decide a lot of games, are, uh, you know, sort of, sort of the weird stuff, the fluky stuff. I think sloppy football is the best football. It's entertaining when there are turnovers. The most boring football uh, in the history of the league was when Tom Brady was at his absolute height and he'd just carve up defense and be like, oh, great. Going to watch this guy take another three-step drop and, like, throw an eight-yard pass to Edelman and just march down the field. That's that's boring. It's the same thing. You want to see some chaos. That's why it's nice that they keep on insisting that Leonard Fournette can catch the football when <laughs> he has just displayed again and again. He cannot. He had two drops tonight. The one turned into an interception. When he catches the ball, it just looks like he's, he's like, I don't know. He's trying to pop it or something. He's trying to punch it. I... I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, I, I think maybe the Cowboys stuck around because they they might have been on the better end of the number of flukes in this game. But either way, you know, just just added a little bit of spice to this one. To Jenny's point, the game was just was more spicy than I expected, and uh, um, as somebody who um, writes off of these games and likes when there's a, a, a vast point differential so I can form a, a quick conclusion at the end of the first quarter and then complete the writing midway through the third quarter so that you can enjoy the fourth quarter with a little bit of popcorn, not have to do anything. Uh, you know, wasn't my favorite, you know, <laughs> this one came down to the wire. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a good way. I was, I, I think we were all ready for that, you know, uh, unless you, uh, Unless the Eagles Jets preseason Hail Mary got you fired <laughs> up enough for football that, that that satiated you to this point. Greg Zerline also just lived a thousand lifetimes tonight. It's we were, amazing. <laughs> we yeah. were writing his career obit at like, uh, I don't know, 930 Eastern time. And then he was almost the hero. I mean, we were saying on the group chat that some of his early struggles could potentially open the door for an X factor like Michael Bashley to come (laughs) in. But by the end of the game, Greg Zerline redeemed himself. And, but then you have the feeling like, okay, I turned it around. I kick what I think could be, or well, you hope is the game winning field goal. And then of course the bucks get the ball back. It's the way it goes with Tom Brady. Yeah, too much time, right? The uh, to me the biggest letdown of the night, and we are established. This podcast is is firmly in the pro Baker Mayfield progressive commercial camp. We discussed that uh, a couple of weeks ago here. So uh, I was really excited when I saw them roll out that new one. I don't think it worked. I think it was bad. And I am someone who would absolutely, if they made an Uncle Drew style movie based on, like, Baker Mayfield living in that stadium, I would watch it. I mean, I'd turn the lights off and, like, pull down the shades and make sure no one could see me watching it. But I'd watch the entire thing, and I'd love it. Uh, tonight's commercial, though, just didn't 
it just wasn't right. He's got to be, like, frustrated and angry, and he was kind of like, you know, they played up, like, the gossipy neighbor thing. It was it was a bummer. It was a miss. I will agree with you on that, and I have to say, embarrassingly so, like, I was slow to come around. Connor recognized the genius of these commercials very early on last season, and I it took me a little while to get there, and then... I'm now fully in. But yes, I, I did not like the gossipy neighbor one. I also feel like it had played into played out tropes and stereotypes mm. of suburban moms, et cetera, et cetera. However, there was the other new one, the yard sale one, right? And I liked that one. I thought that one was good. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're uh, the script writers at Progressive, I mean, you know, not not everything is going to be the White Album, but, you know, everything, you know, I think you're going to be close. <laughs> and I, I just say give it time. I mean, we're just now beginning to let that Baker Mayfield character explore his space. And after after the Browns win the Super Bowl this year, um, there will be there will be plenty of time for him to uh, plenty of time for him to uh, to sign to act in more commercials and really uh, really develop the character. So I know that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Can I just say because it's come back around and we've also touched on the Michael Badgley thing and uh, we do have a couple more things to get to on this show before we wrap up but I just want to say I want to tell you my theory on Connor's uh, let's call it enthusiasm for the Michael Badgley anger because like like any good magician or or illusionist if you will the ruse like the chicanery it was all about the misdirection and wow. I was kind of wondering, like, why is Connor so upset over this perfectly normal choice of Michael Badgley as our <laughs> guess who X Factor? There was there was no real controversy, but he kind of ginned up this huge controversy and just sort of built into it. And I mean, I'm wondering, I'm 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 going to do my social media forensics. I'm going to find out where all these accounts that were like, you know, in my mentions when Michael Badgley got cut. And uh, I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were maybe created in the last three weeks. And maybe if, if you were going to do the geo tracking, possibly wow. somewhere in the state of New Jersey. And uh, I'll just I'll I'll just flat out slander you at this point, Connor. I think you <laughs> I think you were just building up. You wanted to escape the Brown Super Bowl prediction. And this was your plan. And you were found out. And here we are. This is the face of a guy who's who's melting down uh, live on Zoom, and uh, uh, yeah, it's you know I never I never envisioned my career coming down in flames this way, but I think that people who ride the lightning as long as I have, they don't think about being caught, and uh, and I was caught, so uh, it's it's tough, it's a tough situation, but uh, I still maintain that. Uh, listing Michael Badgley, a uh, currently unemployed NFL player, as as an X factor was a more egregious decision than to forget what I said half an hour ago. Uh, but Ooh. again, I you know, yeah, I don't know. I could see also why people are bad at apologies. Like I'm not. Uh, <laughs> if I offended you, if right, I misled yeah. you, yeah, yeah, that's the road yeah. you're going down, Connor. I also yeah. want to make clear to listeners that the first time you made. The Browns will win the Super Bowl prediction was actually in June because when all of this came up, I was like, all right, let me go back to the AFC North preview episode. And that's where you said, 
anyone has or the Browns have a good, as good a chance as anyone of winning the Super Bowl, something along the lines. Like, I think they'll win the Super Bowl. I do not even realize that you said it at the top of the most recent show, which Shelby and the listener who wrote into you subsequently pointed out. So really, Connor, this was really just a, a remarkable, uh, a remarkable situation. I mean, I'll just say this. I, I, I'm not in your shoes right now, Connor, and I, I, I'm glad I'm not. But can you take some comfort in the fact that the people who love you are the ones who are basically tearing you down right now? That it's me and Jenny and our wonderful producer, Shelby Royston, who, by the way, pointed out that that clip he keeps dropping in was 46 seconds into the into the last show. Oh, my God. Um, no, I, there's no no that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Com- there's nothing comforting about <laughs> not remembering that you said something half an hour after you said it. Like, uh, I, I think that mm. there are. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if any of you had, had ever watched that that show on Showtime called The Affair. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I watched and sh- season one and maybe half of season two. Is that the the Dominic West show? Right, and so okay. the whole premise of the show is it's like basically like ten minutes of an event that is seen by but but it, through the perspectives of like three different people, right? And so in each different character's recollection, other characters are wearing different things and they're acting in a slightly different way. And so, you know, at first I was just like, that's a neat way to tell a story. And now I'm like, this is sort of my life because I have no idea, you know, what came out of my mouth at the beginning of this episode. I don't know. Did I, did I say that, you know, the Mike McCarthy was going to get fired at the end of the year? I don't know what I said. And, and it's a little scary. So, you know, I'm going to have to start just like taking notes a little bit. Well, you know what you can take comfort in, Connor? You might not listen to yourself, but Gary and I listen to you. <laughs> it's true, buddy. You're 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 surrounded in love and also uh, people who are really taking pleasure in <laughs> making you look like you. a jag off. <laughs> comes from a place of love, though. <laughs> All right, before we go, uh, and we have a lot more of this to come on uh, on Monday, probably not a whole lot more about the Browns stuff, but we're going to talk about the Browns-Chiefs game. we got I a lot of games to talk about. I know that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> we got a lot of games to talk about coming up on the Monday morning show. Subscribe to the feed now, and it will be in your phone first thing Monday morning. It's just wonderful technology. I don't know why I said it that way because everyone knows how podcasts work but i just want to reiterate that uh but we had uh we had some news outside of this game uh, tj watt signs his extension so uh yeah he's gonna stay in pittsburgh for the uh uh for the foreseeable future which look it's expected but i'm not sure people understand just how uh i don't know just how just how valuable tj watt is uh, as opposed to just, you know, yes, best player on a really good defense, but it's it's a little more than that with him. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Gary, when we wrote a story about him last fall, I almost for, or was surprised by, excuse me, the fact that he was still seemingly a little bit under the radar. Like, I don't think the full NFL appreciated how good he was at the beginning of last season. I think maybe by the end of last season where he was a defensive player of the year candidate, um, maybe 
people had come around to that a little bit more, but it's surprising to me. But maybe it's because, he, you know, he's J.J. Watt's younger brother. When the Steelers drafted him, I think people thought, oh, this is a reach. He's only getting drafted here because he's a Watt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know what the reasons were, but he's one of the best players in the NFL, offense or defense. And it was also interesting that his hold in in camp didn't get more attention. And it only got more attention the last week or so when it looked like, oh my gosh, the deadline's approaching. Is a deal going to get done? And thinking back on it now, perhaps two reasons why it wasn't, you know, front and center more. Probably one is that it was a hold in because holdouts are more difficult because teams can't forgive fines now. Um, But also I think there was probably a sense that the Steelers were going to budge on their longstanding policy of not guaranteeing beyond the signing bonus, right? And that it was just a matter of getting it done. Um, So perhaps it wasn't as big of a deal that he was holding in because it wasn't like there was a disconnect that wasn't going to be bridged. The Steelers realized they hit on him and they were going to reward him. It just took some time to get the deal done. I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. But the story we did last year was about his ability as a strip sack artist. Last year, his numbers in that area were down a little bit, but really talking to him about how he studies that specific skill and he recognized that it could be something that he could really thrive at was really indicative, I think, of the way he approaches the game. And Keith Butler, the Steelers defensive coordinator, said, listen, there have been a lot of great outside linebackers here, a lot of great defensive players who can get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. But he said that Watt obviously does that well. But he said Watt is the best he's seen at stripping the ball and getting the ball out from opposing quarterbacks. And staying in the AFC North here, the Ravens The Ravens just had a nightmare summer here. So on Thursday, they lost Marcus Peters to a torn ACL, and obviously that's problematic for that defense, which will probably still be quite good. But Peters was, you know, he was he's your sort of risk-reward turnover creation guy in the secondary. Uh, they also lost Gus Edwards, and... I'm not sure if we'd really be highlighting Gus Edwards going down. He's He's been a fine player the last two seasons, but uh, they were already without J.K. Dobbins and without Justice Hill, who are out for the season. So they are really scraping bottom here with the running back depth chart. And I thought the Dobbins loss was significant just because he was kind of like he was kind of like a horizontal element to that run game. They use him on some fly sweep type stuff, uh, lined him up as a sort of a motion player. Uh they lose him and you could be like, well, you know, Gus Edwards, he's a no nonsense runner. You pair him with Lamar Jackson, you still have something. And they're just, they're running out of bodies. Their receivers are hurt. I, I, I don't know. This might be a rocky year for a Ravens team that I thought was really right there with, uh, with Buffalo and some other teams on that sort of second tier in the AFC. The one positive, uh, from my perspective, at least is that it forces the Ravens to do what, essentially any child playing Madden would do and that is just to sign whoever's left like to panic and sign whoever's left like there's no coy maneuver at this point and uh it's just like oh holy crap let's get uh Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray and you know (laughs) and all these guys and it reminds me of um my, I had like a running joke with a former colleague when I used to have to back up on the Yankees beat that there's nothing more that I love than like aging 
stars or aging like known people who are getting like one last crack at it and when i used to back up the yankees it was like every october they would bring in like a 41 year old carrie wood or like lance berkman uh to do like one very menial task for the team and i it was just like they always had me come in that day because it was my favorite day to just like go up to Lance Berkman and talk to Lance Berkman about being old. And uh, and this is kind of what the Ravens are at this point is like, you know, I was like, okay, you know, every, you know, who else can come in here? And, uh, you know, I saw some people making a joke that like, oh, well, they haven't brought in Jamal Charles yet, but like, I don't think we're far off here. Like, or Marshawn Lynch or like, you know, I think we could slowly kind of be inching into that territory, especially if the Ravens are still good and they're going to, you know, need some depth at the position. It's going to be tough. I don't mean that they're going to bring in Jamal Charles, but like someone, yeah, someone like that. Yeah. I mean, look, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, uh, that's, that's, that's the store they're shopping at right now. And it's a tough store to be in on September 10th. All right, guys, we are back at it Monday morning. We're going to be recapping all the Sunday action as we will all season. So, uh, I don't know. I think we're, I think we're done ripping Connor for the Brown stuff. Are we? What's going to be really interesting well, is what if the Browns do win the Super so, Bowl? So, so this is this is exactly what I was just going to bring up. So, uh, I'm going to have to the 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 actual printed prediction is that they will lose to the Packers in in the Super Bowl. But now, if they win the Super Bowl, like it's just going to be so much worse. And so, theoretically, I'm rooting for them to now not even make the Super Bowl. Uh, to validate the prediction, uh, because now I just want it all to go away. I'm, uh, you know, you want the controversy to be over. I'm like, uh, did you ever see the the Stephen Glass movie Shattered Glass? You know that one. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I know it. The plagiarizer guy yeah. at the New Republic, and like everything's his back's against the wall, and he's you know just hoping the whole thing's gonna go away. Like that's kind of kind of where I'm at now. Um, and, uh, so like maybe the Browns just don't play this season and then it just lets me off the hook for everything, you know, like that, like <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Stefanski's like, we're just, we're not going to play in 2021. We're, uh, we're focusing on 22. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I can, and then I, and then I just have another shot to get it right. So. All right. We'll see how that plays out and we will see you guys on Monday morning. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Frentis, Connor Orr, and me, Gary Gremlin. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcast is Scott Brody. And uh, thanks, as always, to senior podcast producer Dan Bloom. Hi, Dan. We know you listen to the show every week. Uh, Mark Moravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is all also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> That. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.